0: Welcome to Forward Progress Week 9 Best Bets Edition here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel. Part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I am Rob Pozzola, not joined by the usual crew. Some of the usual crew. Dr. Eric Eager in the top right-hand corner. Hitman bottom left. G-Stack, George, filling in for Suma today. Suma dealing with... I shouldn't say dealing with. The birth of a child. It's a great... To bring children into the world congratulations to suma out there and in an ab- absolute scumbag move on my part if you like that suma has accelerated his life forwards and is happy smash that like button down below let us know how much you like and how happy you are for suma um he'll be back with us next week uh, but g stack gonna fill in today a lot of pressure g stack
1: No pressure. I uh, hired some of the scumbags that we have that watch this stream to take out Suma so I can have an opportunity this week. I felt really good here. Well, listen,
0: after seeing Hitman's best bets, I mean, at this point, anyone can can jump in and do the show, right? I mean, at at this point, no, wait, I I will say I'm only joking. I kind of want to I feel it's bad that we only put up the best bets, like actual records on a weekly basis. Because I'm pretty sure Hitman is actually dominating with the leans, dominating leans records. We'll get Eric Eager back here in one second as well as he's just working on fixing his microphone. But if we put up the leans from last week, Jason, another two and one week for Hitman. Eager perfect two and zero, three and two here. Sumo was the only guy that that was negative in his leans, but Hitman, like, you're getting a bad rap, I think for. The best bets it's its not really all. i want to say
2: that like i'm having some like disaster year and it's going to turn around and positive variants will come back but like believe it or not i'm having a decent year it's just that these best bets not panning out so you know what? and we know congratulations suma and we know that it's a legit excuse and that that's a, that he actually had a child everything that's why he's not on because if we were going to replace anyone on the show For George, it was going to be me that's replaced. So it's legit. I'm hiding. This
1: this is the one game audition. We're keeping Suma out for health like we're doing with Ritter. No, no, no. This is the audition here, man. You lose best bet and I win. You're out, brother. It's me next week. Well, hopefully I have Arthur
2: Smith that can, uh, can put in the good word about me and say all the ridiculous stuff that he was saying about Ritter before pulling him nobody
0: watches more film than me i have the film so (laughs) was too much man that was that was too much to handle um i see a lot of regulars in the chat already you can get in on the chat over the course of the show you just got to be subscribed here on the forward progress channel and of course for those who are new here i'll just explain it really quickly but we're going to cover five games this week this is not the prettiest games on the board but games that we at least have some sort of opinion on and we can talk through. There's no sense in us previewing every single game if none of us have an opinion on a game. Luckily this week, we actually got some good games to talk about. So we're going to do that. And then at the end of the show, you will get a best bet from every single one of us. All the picks are tracked via third party. Bet stamp. We can't fudge the records or anything like that. Transparency is very important to us. So that's how the show is going to work moving forwards. And we'll start it here, guys with the Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. Both of these teams, four and four. Vikings on a a three-game winning streak that's kind of going, I don't want to say it's going unnoticed because there's just a lot of negative sentiment towards the team now because Kirk Cousins is out for the year with torn Achilles, the same injury that knocked out Aaron Rodgers earlier this season. They traded for Arizona Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs at the trade deadline. But it looks like Jaron Hall is on track to start this game, fifth-round rookie out of BYU. The Falcons, meanwhile, they dropped their game last week to the Tennessee Titans, to Will Levis, Arthur Smith, you know, replaced Desmond Ritter with Taylor Heineke. We get news that Taylor Heineke is going to start this game. This was announced earlier today. Current market at Pinnacle, Atlanta Falcons laying four and a half points at home. The total is 37. And since you're the newbie here, George, I'll start with you. First of all, we could talk about the the quarterback change, but let's get into the market as a whole, anything that you might have a lean on in this game.
1: Yeah, this to me is a plug your nose and trust your numbers type game. Even when over adjusting for the impact of the loss of Kirk Cousins, I can't get past Atlanta three and a half year. I don't know what Jaron Hall is going to look like, but here's what I do know. I think we tend to overstate the drop off. Of QBs in their first start Cleve ta ran the numbers he's and he found that non first round backup QBs making their first start the last few years are 17 eight and two against the spread two of my favorite angles um, the last few years has been backing the backup QB in his first start and fading the quarterback returning in his first start because I find the market gets hot and bothered on both sides of that I think um, I think what I do know is When I think of Minnesota, I think of a great O-line, right up there with Philadelphia and Detroit. Great tackle tandem. I think of good weapons in Hawkinson, and I think of Jordan Addison and K.J. Osborne. I think of a smart play designer in in Kevin O'Connell, who at least for one week can create a game plan that will cater to Jaron Hall's strengths before the film comes out and people realize what his glaring weaknesses are. As far as Taylor Heineke potentially lifting the Falcons, I trust Brian Flores dialing up pressure here. Heineke splits last year versus pressure and versus not. Last year had a 71.6 PFF grade and only 3% turnover-worthy throws. When pressured, he was a league-worst 26.5 PFF grade, the worst quarterback, and 10.2% of his throws were turnover-worthy. That graded at the same clip as Malik Willis and Zach Wilson. So between Brian Flores and um, Kevin O'Connell and this number just being – too big i can't go anywhere but lean towards minnesota here so george making a case for the vikings in this game
0: Hitman. you have your pulse on the vikings people don't know this about you but you you root for minnesota although you root for the bankroll first but you also root for minnesota what's the sentiment around this team right now and in particular if you if you know anything about jaron hall if you've seen anything in regards to his preseason form that may be viable in this game
2: um one thing that I think was a little bit noteworthy is that when you listen to a lot of the beat writers, and even if you watched Kevin O'Connell's locker room speech that he gave after the win against Green Bay, it was a pretty like popular sentiment that like every beat writer for the Vikings was saying. that we're, They were saying, you know what, this is like the quietest locker room I've ever seen after a win. And you could even tell in Kevin O'Connell's tone of voice that it was just kind of a dejected locker room that kind of knows, you know, we're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year now without Kirk cousins as our quarterback. But I do agree with George that the market does tend to overreact a lot of times to when it's the the first game without a starting quarterback. And, but one thing that I, I think that just makes it a lean for me on Minnesota is, and my numbers do have some value on Minnesota, but Rob, I think you mentioned this a few times. You mentioned that when you put a power rating on a game, you have a confidence level on that power rating for a specific team. And let's be honest, like not many people, if let's say you have a conference level one to five on the chiefs, for example, such a long sample size of a lot of their current players. You can pretty accurately have a four or five in most cases on that. But with a team with Jaron Hall starting his first game, it's hard to have an accurate number. You're kind of just making a subjective guess on what you think the Vikings are with jaron hall um with that said the falcons they tend not to be a team that we want to back winning by margin yes taylor Heineke is an upgrade to desmond ritter but you're also without drake london potentially in this game the falcons have the thinnest wide receiver room in the entire nfl by far if they don't have drake london in this game and another thing the vikings defense is really under the radar Improved, especially in recent weeks. Over their last five games, they're seventh in the NFL in EPA per play, they're third in yards per play, and they had San Francisco and Kansas City on that schedule, so it wasn't just against all garbage teams. They've been really good against the run in the for the entire season, aside from that Philly game. So for for me, lean towards the Vikings.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys on this one. It's it's like a Vikings or nothing type of game, and whether or not. I want to pull the trigger obviously like the Grady Jarrett injury as well, I think is very big for the, the Falcons defensive line. Obviously they had Calais Campbell there and, and our producer, Jason's favorite player in David Onyemata as well at nose tackle. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jason. apologies for that, but it's a significant downgrade. And if there's, you know, we're, we're talking all about the Kirk cousins downgrade and I get it. Like it's that it, it's massive, but, you have a team that's not really necessarily built to win by margin. I would say like this would be a no-doubter for me if we got the Desmond Ritter announcement. I'm a little bit more like it's more of a pause with Heineke. I think he just gives you more upside in general. Minnesota plays a lot of cover two, the second highest rate of cover two in the entire league. Desmond Ritter's splits against cover two are terrible this year. 28th success rate, 27th EPA. So they kind of get out of that matchup. But ultimately, this is... It's just a little bit steep with Atlanta right now. So don't know necessarily that I will bet it, but uh, all three of us, myself, Hitman, and George, have a very small lean to the Minnesota Vikings in this game. Before we get into our next game, I do want to remind everyone out there that we would never consider betting without Pinnacle being one of our sportsbook options because of their everyday competitive odds. You see the odds scrolling across the screen right at the bottom of the screen every time we break down a game. A lot of times you might go open up your sportsbook and say, well, the odds at the bottom of the screen don't match the ones at my sportsbook. Those ones are a lot better. And that's because they pride themselves on everyday competitive odds. So Bet Smart, Bent Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook for the past 25 years. And if you are gonna sign up to Pinnacle in Canada, use code HAMMER to do so. It does support us here on Forward Progress. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. And as always, please play responsibly. We're gonna move it on here to the second game i want to get to and this should be an interesting one it's the baltimore ravens taking on the Seattle seahawks it's a home game at mnt bank stadium for the ravens lamar jackson like not the most impressive performance last week i was gonna say wire to wire cover but they didn't even cover the game poor eric eager who had the ravens as his best bet last week nelson aguilar thank you very much for that one um eager probably lost some sleep over that but baltimore did win the game comfortably the seahawks they come off the win against cleveland it wasn't all that impressive dk metcalf returned he got like a million targets i think it was 14 targets in the game had that key block that helped jackson smith and jigba score the game winning touchdown later on market in the game right now at pinnacle ravens laying five and a half minus 118 now that's the exact same as a minus six it's like a minus six flat sometimes Pinnacle will be a little bit um, off market in what they're proposing as their you know main market there. Total is 43 and a half. And I'll start with you on this one, Hitman. You know, we did see Baltimore have a very advantageous matchup against Detroit a couple of weeks ago. That spread was three. This one is basically a six now. So I think the market has come around on the Ravens certainly. Break this one down for us Seahawks and Ravens.
2: Yeah. Um, I lean towards Seattle. It's just a little bit high for me, especially if we've gotten to the point where it's at plus six right now. Um, I talked about this last week when I spoke about the Seahawks-Browns game. Ever since Jamal Adams, Devin Weatherspoon, and Tariq Wallen got healthy together in week four, Seahawks pass defense has really played well. They're first in EPA for drop back, their fifth in passing success rate. Now, the one caveat I'll put on that is it has been against a very weak opposing schedule of quarterbacks, but it's still a deep a pass defense that I think is pretty solid right now with these guys healthy. And then you add that onto the fact that this has been all year, one of the best run defenses in the league. They're allowing only 3.1 yards per carry to opposing running backs, which is the best in the, the entire league. And now you're adding Leonard Williams to that, which is a, who knows how many snaps he gets his first game playing with the Seahawks, but it's de- it's definitely an addition that that's gonna make this front even stronger for Seattle. And one thing about their offense is that people really haven't talked about. They have a lot of positive regression coming. Over the last three games, the Seahawks have had seven drives that reached the opponent's 27, 16, 9, 6, 5, 3, and 2 yard lines. They have six points on those drives. Three interceptions, two turnover on downs. Like, And Seattle is an offense That on paper, we know they have at least a league average quarterback surrounded by some really good weapons at running back and wide receiver. And the offensive line just continues to get healthier from what it was early in the season. So I I think that Seattle, I I said it last week, I think they're a good team. I think that they're a a little bit underrated in market. So I, I lean to Seattle at plus six.
0: All right, G-Stack, I want to get your thoughts on this. Before I do, though, I do want to bring in this comment from Joey Grable here. Uh, Do teams like Seattle fly back home after an East Coast game, or do they go straight to Baltimore? Sounds like a lot of playing time. If not, do you all take that into consideration? One thing about the Seahawks is they've actually really excelled in this spot now, going back several years, early game on the East Coast. This used to be like a market angle back in the day. Where it's like, oh, fade these West Coast teams whenever they're flying cross country. And now it's almost overcorrected to the point where travel is just that much easier. Teams are like way better at planning it out and they've figured it out. So to answer that question, Joey, it's definitely a consideration nowadays, but teams are so efficient with travel. Now, G-Stack, Hitman made some good points here on some positive regression coming potentially for Seattle where they're already considered a good team, but might be even better than we consider them. What do you make of this matchup with them going to Baltimore?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think of a, a movie shutter Island, uh, Martin Scorsese directs it, Leonardo DiCaprio and Ted Levine have a scene where they're riding in the Jeep and Ted Levine's character looks over to DiCaprio and says, there's no moral order at all. There's just This, can my violence conquer yours? So that's how the AFC North has felt for 20 years. It's the division of physicality, tight games, and attrition, and who can win the physical battle. Seattle doesn't reside in the AFC North, but, man, they feel like they're built like an AFC North team. They've already played Cleveland and Cincinnati and had two AFC North-type style games. The Ravens have been good all year and have flashed some signs of brilliance like the Lions games, but the two times that they played what I would deem to be a good defense – pittsburgh and cleveland they finished 19th and 20th in success rate 41 percent both weeks the reason this is important is i believe not enough is being made about how good seattle's defense is uh him and talked about recent success but if you just take their whole season numbers like their top 10 in epa per play success rate great against the pass i love their corners i think it's one of the best tandems in the league i also remember when they signed bobby wagner Oftentimes we think about how a player brings his individual talents into a defense, but I think of Bobby Wagner and what he does for everybody around him. Just being able to do so good at be so good at your job and allow players to just play within a smaller structure. Think Roquan Smith and how he unlocked Patrick Queen, plus organizing guys. Bobby Wagner is the number one graded linebacker uh, playing the run according to PFF. Boye Mafe has also blown up this year, like not only as a pass rusher, but as a run defender and even Witherspoon tackles, like he's got this Jalen Ramsey mentality. Tell me, this team, when you think of Seattle, doesn't feel like an AFC North team. And then I will say this: I know the I know the Ravens looked very good when they beat up the Lions, but was that Lions team going into Baltimore, uh, being three-point dogs against Baltimore? They were they that much better than what this Seattle team is heading into Baltimore, and it feels like a whole field goal correction is crazy because it's just based on the Ravens blowing out the Lions that one game.
0: I don't have a Scorsese reference to to accompany my my handicap of this game. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, but I do want to preface this by saying I think this is a very good matchup for Baltimore, but it's already reflected in the number. So kind of picking up on what George said, you know, again, it's two weeks ago, right? Baltimore is home. It was three-point favorites to, to the, the Lions. There was a back-and-forth in that market. We didn't know at the end of the day like who was going to take money or whatever, and they end up winning that game by a lot. But a few things of note here, in particular with this game. Seattle plays zone coverage at the highest rate in the league. Very little man defense, 85% zone. Lamar Jackson splits fifth in the league against zone in terms of EPA 29th against man. So he's been very good against zone defenses so far this year. And that stems throughout the majority of his career as well. If you also look at where Lamar has struggled this season, it's when he's been blitzed for some reason or another, it's really gotten to him 25th in EPA as a QB when he's been blitzed. Seattle doesn't really do that a whole lot. Sixth lowest blitz rate in the entire league at 22%. So from that point of view, I don't know. It might be inherently challenging with them um, in order to slow down this Ravens offense. Gino Smith Last week we talked about, I, I lost my lean on the under in that game. It was like scripted plays. It was 14 seven and then no offense could do anything for yeah. the rest of the game. You know, like really unfortunate type of situation. But if you look at Gino against man, God, it's, I don't know what, why he cannot beat these types of defenses. Now the Ravens don't, like they're not the level of Browns man coverage, but they do mix in a lot of it as well. So I factor all that into my numbers. I still don't get an edge on the Ravens. I'm kind of on market here, but definitely did want to point that out um, in terms of this game in particular. Um, and we'll see what happens. But Hitman and uh and George making the case for the Seattle Seahawks in this game. Just want to remind everyone out there, if you're not subscribed here on Forward Progress, make sure. hit that subscribe button down below. Current likes on the stream, 45. Just too low. I almost don't even feel like doing any more games if we're only going to have 45 (laughs) likes on the stream. Like, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy, but take two seconds. Smash the like button down below. Doesn't take much. Helps people find our content in real time. We do got Eric Eager back with us now. And no better time than to shift to the early morning. I was about to say London game. But it's the germany game it's the germany game sumo will be in attendance thanks to g stack who got him some tickets to the game and it should be a good one at deutsche bank park in frankfurt tua leading the league in passing yards jalen waddle tyreek hill former chiefs receiver the storylines are all there the dolphins 31 17 win over the patriots last week but they also got back all pro corner jalen ramsey who had a pick in that game as well gonna help the team moving forwards what happened with KC? I don't know. Maybe it was Patrick Mahomes having the flu. Maybe it was just an off game. Maybe it had something to do with Travis Kelsey going to the World Series on Friday. Uh, every narrative that you can spin has been spun at this point, but they lost to the Denver Broncos for the first time in eight years. Patrick Mahomes didn't look good in the process. Market right now Chiefs minus two and a half plus 104, basically minus two number. Total sitting at 51. We don't see totals this high in the NFL nowadays and now that you're back with us eric let's start with you on this one you're very in tune with the chiefs obviously what do we make of this game in germany on sunday morning
3: yeah when i look at this game um i think of the fact that the dolphins have struggled with defensive lines that are as diverse and as effective as the kansas city chiefs are um you know the george carlottis even in a loss last week, was very good as far as generating pressure. I think he's in the top 10 in the NFL in terms of pressure generated per PFF. You have the inside-outside game of Chris Jones and Charles Amenahu. Um, A little bit of an issue with linebacker because we saw Willie Gay hurt his tailbone last week. Uh, Nick Bolton is on IR. Um, But generally speaking, I think the Chiefs are deep enough in the secondary as well as the defensive line to give what has been a fantastic Miami offense all year um, some fits, right? And I and so um, in a in a situation where we empirically it's been true for a number of years that Andy Reed kind of like saves his best stuff uh, to to sort of quote a baseball term for teams like Miami this week. Um, the good
0: play, the good plays I call them, Eric. He the saves good the good plays. Play. Yeah, but like if
3: you look at things like scheme uniqueness and stuff, it like it maximizes against the Ravens type teams, the Chargers type teams, uh, and I think the Dolphins kind of quali- qualify for that now. Like, I think you're going to get a, a bounce back game from their offense. But I think the biggest thing, and, and this has been Miami's Achilles heel, is when they play teams that have, you know, decent offensive and defensive lines, they've struggled. And I think the Chiefs, uh, you know, are are especially stout there, especially relative to the other Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, era teams.
0: All right. So it's a, a slight case for Kansas City there. Now, G-Stack. I got to get you to take off your your Dolphins helmet for a second here. <laughs> and, and like, I, I, we need an impartial breakdown. But honestly, as a Dolphins fan, you're very in tune with this team. The two times they've stepped up in class this year, I have yep. to point them out, Buffalo, Philadelphia. They lost both of those games by margin. Looked better, I guess, against the Eagles. They were kind of in that game at points before the, you know, the, the wheels kind of came off there. But what do you make of that? The fact that they've had those two Dress rehearsals essentially against better teams and they failed in both are you still optimistic as a Dolphins fan is, is is this the chance that like they have and you know Fezzik points it out in the chat as well there's some travel as well KC travels west to Denver then all the way to Germany has to be a negative
1: there like how do you factor that into this game So um, I've always been of the opinion that the Dolphins are going to peak in December. This is a team that's going to get better and regressed. We're going to get healthier. Uh, Vic Fangio will have more time with the defense. Jalen Ramsey will be back. Like right now we had Dolphins team this morning. A lot of that's driven by like the health, right? Uh, Javon Holland is out of concussion protocol and, Teron Armstead is in Germany and practicing, and we're expecting Connor Williams and probably Robert Hunt to play as well. Uh, so everyone's going to talk, A hey, Dolphins, whenever they uh, play a, a good team and it's under three, they haven't covered a spread. I think this is a little bit different it is a neutral field. Uh, Miami traveled early to Germany where KC is flying out later. I know we only have a two game sample size of Buffalo and Tennessee, but they both lost doing it. And if KC yep. looks bad and, and loses, I suspect everyone's going to be flying out on Tuesday next year. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about Kansas city's defense. I do think they are improved. I think they are playing a little bit over their head. Uh, and because they haven't played a Buffalo or a Philly or an offense of that level. And, and I don't think they have been uh, tested yet. And I think this will be the test. If you shut down Miami's offense, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start thinking of Kansas City as having an elite defense. Um, I also think um, of my good old friend, Eric Bischoff. He used to say numbers lie and liars use numbers. If you take Miami's season long data They're 20th in defensive EPA per play, 27th in defensive success rate. But take the last month when they started getting healthy and they started gelling, and we're 10th in defensive EPA per play, and we're 7th in defensive success rate. That includes the Philly game. So I challenge you to better understand Miami's defense. You should measure them by the rate they're improving, not by their season-long data. Um, I always thought this was going to be a later skew. I'm excited about this. I'm not advocating for it as a play just like I didn't advocate for Miami against Buffalo or Philly, but if you wake up Sunday and then you watch Miami beat up the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm just telling you don't be surprised by this result. So G-Stack pulls out the Scorsese references, the Eric
0: his good friend Eric Bischoff. I I, I can't wait to see what comes next in our night. Now you you do stuff like that G-Stack and then you have to live up to the expectation forever. Bad play for for a guy who's in here for the first time. I just got to let you know that. Uh, Hitman, we've we've heard from the Chiefs fan. We've heard from the Dolphins fan. No surprise that we have some conflicting opinions here. What do you think of the Dolphins and Chiefs in Germany?
2: Uh, I'm the wrestling fan. So if you just want to throw out these wrestling references, <laughs> we can talk about that for the last 30 minutes. But uh, no, in all seriousness, um, I think that I agree with Eric's point about The Chiefs defensive line getting pressure on Miami in this game. And Tua, there's only one quarterback then the entire season. When Tua's been under pressure, he has a higher completion percentage then. And Rob, we still we had the misfortune of watching him on Monday for his last start with the Raiders. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's been a Tua has been a player this year that has been greatly impacted. By if the opposing defensive lines can get pressure on him, and we got to see it a little bit in that Buffalo game and also the Philly game. So I don't think it's it's I don't think it's like oh Miami can't play against top tier teams and everything, but I just think that the formula to at least stop, make this offense go from elite to just good is having a defensive line that can get pressure on Tua, which the Chiefs do have. And the, uh, the Miami defense, they faced three teams that we say have front end good offenses. And it would be Justin Herbert's Chargers, it would be Josh Allen's Bills, and it would be Jalen Hurts' Eagles. Dolphins allowed 9.3 yards per attempt in those games. They allowed 34, 48, and 31 points. Yes, they are getting Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey together for the first time this season, but it still has been a defense that I don't know if there's been a bigger underachieving unit this entire year than what my preseason expectation was going to be with the talent they had with Vic Fangio coordinating this defense. And I just think that with the money that came in on Miami today, we're getting to the point, like one and a half is most of the market. We're getting to the point where we're saying like these teams are, pretty much equal and i I just i don't know if i'm ready to to concede that right now with uh kansas city and miami
0: yeah i i totally hear you on that one and listen we could talk about the travel for kc the flu bug you know and and i'm not dismissing this stuff like it doesn't matter but a lot i think a lot of us are just generally guessing at what this stuff is worth and i i hate to do this but I'm going to do it anyways, because sometimes you just get Patrick Mahomes to essentially win a game, and you got to ask yourself, do I like that bet? And God, I like that bet. Like I just like the the opportunity to bet Mahomes to essentially like like Hitman said, market at two one and a half, Mahomes to win, coming off of a loss. Like this is narrative, Rob getting into it here. Totally, one hundred percent. But there's a reason like his ATS record and straight up record is so good in these spots where he's favored by like a field goal or less or none, because all you got to do is win, and he's the best quarterback by a mile. So he also
3: like the funny thing is we always talk about there was the tweet the other day it was like Patrick Mahomes off a loss, and like it's always that the record doesn't strike me as all that impressive. It's the denominator. There's like he's lost fifteen games in like five years. So it's just like, what are we doing here? And I know Tua's played really well. Mike McDaniel's fantastic. But it's like, this is still the best coach quarterback combination in all of football by a country mile. And you're getting them at a pick basically. It kind of
2: reminds me, like, every year when a lot of sharp guys would do the season win total markets on New England. They'd be like, oh, their number's so high. It's so much high. you got to play the top team right under – and break, oh, there we go. And <laughs> the Brady sharp and guys
0: quotation like- <laughs> mark. I-,
2: I didn't know that was a personal shot. I, I-, I swear, but but um, it kind of feels that way. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you have probably a quarterback that's going to go down top five at least, and a coach that could go down in the top five as well as a combination. It kind of feels that way with the Chiefs. Everybody's saying every year i'll bet them under their season win total so high and it's just all they freaking do is win games yeah
0: i i've experienced this with brady already you know i've talked i've talked about this openly before but if i never bet on any games involving tom brady in my life i probably could have retired by now i lost so much money betting against those patriots teams and just like oh like they're overrated you know markets overrating them but like at some point just like what am I missing here because they just they just win all the time like it doesn't matter and I'm I'm not suggesting people like we have to think probabilistically I'm not suggesting like this is Kansas City's a lot I hate using the word lock or anything like that but I'm I'm suggesting that I find it extremely appealing to bet Patrick Mahomes in a short spread where essentially all he has to do is win the game I just don't think there's going to be that many opportunities to do that over the course of his career and this is one of them george i'll move on now i'm sorry man i'm gonna say
1: jason can you just clip this whole section here (laughs) like you know we throw gaudy numbers and and mahomes has gaudy numbers and everything i remember entering last week he was undefeated on the road against divisional opponents and sometimes records are made to be broken and uh i look forward to seeing the result of this game I'm, i'm looking forward to watching
0: Honestly, it's glad I'm glad I can wake up in the morning and do my football prep. And there's actually going to be a great game on TV. So hopefully everyone does enjoy it. We got two more games left to cover and then best bets. We're skipping over to Houston where the Texans are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams looking to rebound off of losses. The Bucs on a three game losing streak. Uh, they've had extra time to prep for this game. They lost to the Bills last week on Thursday night football. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw two touchdowns, wasn't enough. They lost 24 to 18. CJ Stroud and the Texans, they lost coming out of the bye week uh, in the number one versus number two overall pick to Bryce Young, 15 to 13. It was ugly stat line for Stroud. He went 16 to 24 for 140 yards total. Current market in this game is the Texans laying two and a half at home, two and a half minus 116. So that's closer to moving to three. It's like a 2.75 range. The total in the game is 40 and a half. And George, I'll start with you here. Texans seem to catch money like almost every week. We haven't seen that early money just yet, but it's happened a lot this year. Break down this one for us. Houston, Tampa Bay, who you like and why?
1: I wish I had like really good stuff here about schemes and matchups and everything. And like, to me, this is just a little bit simple. Our numbers tell us one thing, and and sometimes there's nothing to disprove that. I think both teams suck at running the ball, and they're both very good at stopping the run. Um, I expect a lot of punting in this game. My numbers show value on Tampa if I can get three. There's been like a lot of late Houston steam, and I'm, I'm waiting for it. If I can't get it, I might have to settle for a teaser. But just for Houston, I feel like they've been a tad overinflated in market the last few weeks. The Steelers' blowout feels like, a long time ago it was over a month ago since then they've lost to atlanta carolina they beat new orleans in the game where the saints dominate the stats and make four red zone trips and come away with only six points i think both teams are comparable the only daylight between them is tampa bay generates the third most turnovers per game in the nfl they have guys like at every level antoine winfield is a guy uh, Levante David and Devin White are guys. Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis are guys. Uh, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, Joe Tryon, Shoinka. If Tampa Bay can win the turnover battle, which they've done, uh, you know, they're 5-2-1 at doing that this year and maybe steal some field position and possessions. It's as simple as two even teams to me and I'm getting a whole field goal. In a game with not much daylight between them, there's no special edge or matchup that I'm seeing that that tells me, like, this is just my numbers tell me something, and there's nothing I can do to disprove them. Eric, you're kind of leaning the same way on this game.
3: Yeah, I agree with I agree with what G stack says. I mean, the both teams. So we look at Tampa Bay, like what's the case to bet against Tampa Bay? It's kind of mediocre offense led by a quarterback that's encouraging but not good. And a team that runs the football too much, right? Especially on early downs. Um, Houston does all those things except for their quarterback is young and encourage more encouraging than Mayfield. And so, to G Stack's, you know, point, you know, the the gap isn't isn't quite as big as I think that we're all trying to make it. And then, you know, the I I just think like you know, especially on the on the defensive side of the ball, where um, you know Tampa Bay has still a decent amount of talent. Um, and the offensive line for Houston, while you know more healthy than it has been before, is still pretty snake bitten. I just think that there are matchup advantages here for Tampa Bay to the point where if you're getting you know close to a full field goal, um, I, I think you have to go with it. And you know, Damico Ryans is has been, you know, he's and Bobby Sloak, they've had their moments, but like as far as like decision making, I think that they're closer to uh, Todd Bowles and company than they are to say the Dan Campbells and, and those guys of the world. So I just think this is closer than the, than the market makes it out to be.
0: Well, Eric, obviously you're not impressed with the Miko Ryan's and his. You know, I don't use analytics talk from a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I just watched it. I couldn't even tell you what the analytics are. Right? <laughs> I don't remember what his exact quote was, but it was it was certainly something that I found a little bit questionable. Uh, Hitman with this market. Uh, we got G-Stack and, and Eric that are kind of leaning towards Tampa Bay in this game. Do you have any thoughts on this one?
2: Not much of an opinion. I, I think that a big question for this game is which play caller, offensive play caller, is going to open up the offense a little bit for their quarterback. We I've talked numerous times on the show about Tampa being the worst run-blocking team in the entire league, but repeatedly running Rashad White on early downs, leading to all these third and longs for Baker Mayfield, but Bobby Slowick has done pretty much the same thing for Houston. I mean, if there's a team that's as bad as Tampa running the ball this year, it's Houston. And Carolina just absolutely dared them to run the ball last week, playing a lot of too deep. And they took the dare, and they still absolutely could not run the ball, even on the Panthers' run defense. Um, C.J. Stroud, just 30% of his pass attempts this year, have come on first down, the lowest rate in the league. Houston ran the ball on 16 of 23 first downs last week, despite having no success. And and C.J. Stroud, you know, it's hard to be that sustainably good on third down just as a rookie quarterback that doesn't have a great supporting cast around them. It's hard for any quarterback to just keep bailing a team out on third down, let alone a rookie quarterback in cj stroud so i'm don't got much of an opinion but i'm interested to see if any of these coordinators do try to open things up a little bit for their quarterback
0: i'm kind of with hitman here that i i don't have a strong opinion on the game but i do have to say that i think the bucks absolutely stink like i think that they so bobby slowick with the first early down running he seems a little bit more self-aware of what they're doing and like I think that there's a possibility that they could get away from that. Now we're going into week nine of the season. It's probably not the case, but comments I've seen from the Houston coaching staff lead me to believe that they're at least a little bit more self-aware Baker Mayfield's coming off two games where he passed the ball 42 times, two games in a row. I like imagine Todd Bowles game planning this week. And he's like, guys, we cannot do this. Like Baker needs to have 20 pass attempts. There's no way we're, we're losing games. He's throwing way too much. Like that's all I can picture in my head right now. So the, the likelihood that one team corrects it, in my opinion, is way more likely to be towards Houston. I don't want to bet this game, but I almost want to bet some Houston alternate spreads. Because I feel like there's a scenario where they come out with an actual decent game plan and Tampa just comes out and sticks to whatever the hell they've been doing forever now, even when they had Tom Brady as quarterback for some reason or another. That's my thoughts on the game. I probably will bet some Houston alternate spreads. I probably will. And on top of that, just the last thing I'll add, Tampa has not been able to pressure this year without blitzing. They're blitzing at a pretty high rate relative to the rest of the league. I think they're in like the 37% range or so. I think it's a top five blitz rate team. CJ Stroud has demolished the blitz this year it's been very very good uh his receivers can win one-on-one he throws downfield when getting blitzed I think there's a lot of things working in his favor in particular for this game but yeah tough one tough one nothing will surprise nothing will surprise me in the NFL final game we're going to talk about this week before best bets it's a banger on Sunday night football probably a pretty emotional game the Bills' first visit back to Cincinnati since DeMar Hamlin uh, went into cardiac arrest on the field last year. Very scary situation. We all remember it really well. It's a lot of emotion going on there. Buffalo Bills get back on track last week. It was like, you know, they played well, but it was kind of like an unconvincing win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home on Thursday night football. Cincinnati, on the other hand. An extremely convincing win. And now that's three straight victories for the Bengals. They could possibly get back into the division title picture as well. They just looked incredible offensively last week against San Francisco. Now, this is an interesting handicap because the market, as it stands right now at Pinnacle, is Bengals minus two and a half. The total's 48 and a half. In particular, with the side of this game, Eric, look ahead numbers were very different. Buffalo favored in a lot of spots. There's been quite an adjustment from one week to another on Buffalo and Cincinnati. So that's a lot of the talk that's been happening around this handicap. Do you think, Eric, that this adjustment from week to week is warranted? Or is this a time to potentially sell on the Bengals?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I it's annoying how good the Bengals are playing right now as, as a Chiefs fan and as somebody who... Doesn't necessarily like that fan base very much, um, but it, I think it is. I think it is warranted um, to an extent, but I, I think from a pure power ratings perspective, I don't know if you can get to this number for the for the Bills. Like, I don't think you can get anywhere. Like, I, I'm more. I'm in the range of like Bengals minus one, um, and and that's in large part because, and that's with me making like significant adjustments for what the Bengals have done. The, you know, the last few weeks, as well as maintaining uh, a decent weight on my prior for the Bengals, knowing that this has been the way that they've been for two, three years now. Um, I think Buffalo, look, Josh Allen is leading the league in total EPA per drop back. Uh, he should be getting bets for MVP right now at the prices that he's at. Um, and, uh, you know, I think defensively, you know, they bring in Rasul Douglas as kind of a perfect corner for their scheme, uh, Von Miller's ramping up a little bit. I, I just think that this is I just think this number's off. And I think that because you know, in some ways, and the Bengals have been so good against the spread in the second half of season in the last two years. Like I think that there is an adjustment that's being made, possibly rationally, to try to protect themselves against this. Um, but I think it's swung a little bit too far.
0: Um, we don't we typically talk a lot of sides on this, but This is a game where there's been some total interest we saw the number move up a little bit earlier in the week i see patrick in the chat i'm not sure how this total doesn't fly over hitman we talked about this when we were doing the monday night football stream as well like a little bit and you were someone that was really advocating for the over in this game yeah patrick if you're not sure how
2: this total doesn't fly over Ask yourself if you want to back me on a best bet later. That might be the way that it doesn't fly over. If you need a little hint on what I'm going to end up taking on this show. But, um, yeah, I, I think that the over still has value at 48 and a half. The 47, 47 and a half on um, the opener, was that, that was super low. But I, I think that this total should probably be closer to 50, to be honest. I know that scoring was a lot higher last year in the nfl but these totals closed 51 on monday night football last year and it closed 48 and a half when they played in really bad weather in the playoff game and remember like when these teams matched up like before the demar hamlin um incident happened like both the offenses were tearing up the opposing defenses early in that game so Buffalo, they, they're they 29th in EPA per play on defense since they had the major injuries occur in week five. The Bengals' defense has not been the same as it's been in previous years, despite Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football saying that they were arguably the best defense in the NFL. Disagree with that strongly. But um, And then the offenses uh, for these two teams. Josh Allen has been running more. It's been a point of emphasis to get him running more. This offense just opens up a new dimension when he's running the ball. They did it against Tampa. They're running more no huddle than they have in previous weeks. Joe Burrow looks absolutely back. They lead the league in pass rate over expectation the last five weeks. I think it's just similar offenses to last year and way worse defenses
0: than what these teams have previously had. G-Stack, this was something that you might have been looking at as well.
1: Yeah, unless you live in Australia, today is November 1st, which means in exactly two months, it's the most optimistic day of the year for everybody. New Year's Day, people make resolutions. They say, New Year, new me. Well, I'm going to do that for Cincinnati. I am tossing all the data out previous to last week offensively um, just because it's not relevant anymore. Joe Burrow was running around avoiding pressure. I'm also going to toss away Buffalo – or not toss away, but I'm going to heavily factor in Buffalo's uh, data since losing Matt Milano. Since he um – uh, for for Buffalo, they're 26th in defi- defensive EPA per play and 29th in defensive success rate since they've lost him. I know they traded for Russell Douglas. I'm not sure how quickly he gets integrated into the game. Since he also has a, a, a terrible defense, 25th in defensive success rate, they also give up five yards per carry. Like People move the ball on them. Even like outside of Brock Purdy's interceptions last week, he moved the ball very well against them. I can't confidently say which defense will make a stop. Although with Josh Allen, he creates a little bit more volatility. No QB is responsible for more turnovers the past three years than him. I don't care what anybody says. He is Brett Favre reincarnated. Even against the Giants a few weeks ago, he throws a ball that ends up being a touchdown. And while it's in the air, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And when it gets completed, I'm like, you you are something else, man. He's reckless. He throws it in windows that he shouldn't. Um, So that reckless play style might create uh, some volatility and and maybe some turnovers. All that being said, I can only lean towards the over just because I love both offenses. Don't trust either defense. And this game could very much look like the Miami Buffalo game from week three when the first five drives of the game were touchdowns. And Josh and Tua had one incompletion during those five drives that we could see a bit of a track meet game in this game. Um, Josh Allen loves his YOLO
0: balls. For sure he does. George going to be dumpster diving, looking for his priors if Burrow stinks it up this week. Honestly, Scott Scott said chow priors. I can't even tell you how many times I've done this. In... Normally, it's a mistake, honestly. Like, I, I do this a lot of times early in the year where I'm like, no, no there's, there's no way that this prior is right on this team. I honestly did it after week one. I literally did it after week one where I'm like, I think the Seahawks might actually stink. Like, they <laughs> might be terrible. They looked horrendous. I'm like, I don't know if this prior is going to be right or not. This is a situation where honestly, I got to be, I got I to gotta get like the priors are, they don't really matter. Like nope. nothing Joe Burrow did earlier in the year matters to me. Nope. It doesn't. He's, they're they're calling designed running plays for him against San Francisco last week. He's scrambling on third and long. He looks amazing. Like I, I know you don't want to buy a team like when they're the, at the top of market. I don't even know that the Bengals are there yet. Like it's just one game. They might, they could blow, go back to last year's games against Buffalo. They're moving the ball up and down the field. Like the Buffalo defense doesn't even exist. And the Buffalo defense now doesn't exist. So I, I'm like very strong lean to over very, very strong lean to Bengals. Maybe Bengals team total over something like that. Again, we could probably clip this. I've been very animated and it's going to be like an amazing 13 to 10 bills win somehow, another prime time under some, something crazy like that all right before we get into best bets here which we'll do here very shortly i want to remind everyone we have a lot of content here on the forward progress youtube channel 2 p.m eastern time monday through friday we got something going on but as of this thursday night we were previously doing these live watch alongs over on the hammer hq they're moving over to the forward progress channel for thursday night football this week tennessee and pittsburgh will be here for monday night football chargers and jets here is where you are going to find the watch alongs going forwards if you've never watched one i'd highly encourage you to stop in live during a game these three fellows that are on the screen with me right now often make appearances as do jeff feinberg suma guests outside of the hammer betting network including drew dinsick and andy Molliter. we got a full crew of people that stops by and we just watch the games and shoot the shit if i'm being completely honest sometimes we don't even talk football this week we talked halloween we did a talk pies around Canadian Thanksgiving we do a bunch of stuff it's a good time I'd highly encourage you to check it out we bet the games live as well so if you're interested check out the watch-alongs Thursday night football we go live 15 minutes before game time if you hit that notification button down below you'll get alerted whenever we go live here on forward progress before we get to the best bets smash that like button down below let's get those likes up as high as we can and it's fresh blood here on forward progress best bets show first time g stack's given out a best bet typically the honors go to the winners from the week before but because we got some fresh blood g you're up first
1: who's the best bet this week and why all right, people don't like to step in front of uh, this Ravens train, Rob, but I do. I love how beautiful trains are, and I, I oftentimes don't make the best decisions in life. I already talked talked about how underrated this Seattle defense is, but I wanted to add that Lamar's best game against Detroit was correlated with Mark Andrews playing his best game and having multiple touchdowns. Seattle defending tight ends this year. They give up four catches a game, less than 50 yards, and they've given up one touchdown all year. If they take away Lamar's number one weapon, it will go a long way in slowing down this Ravens offense. I think Seattle is top 10 in a lot of defensive metrics, and I like the way they match up here against this Ravens offense that flashes greatness but also has a lot of ugly in there. A lot was made about Geno's struggles against man coverage heading into the Cleveland game. Especially because Baltimore plays man at a top 10 rate. Outside of the two interceptions, though, I thought Geno was pretty good. He was 19th in EPA per play and success rate. Not good, but not bad. I'm not expecting much of the way of scoring in this game. And my handicap isn't predicated on Seattle needing a lot of points to cover. Baltimore is middle at the pack at creating turnovers. And if Seattle can avoid more than one, then they probably have a chance to win this game, or at the very least, it'll come down to a close finish. And, of course, if all else fails, the back door might be open. Give me Seattle plus six minus 105 as my best bet. All right. G-Stack George with the Seattle Seahawks.
0: I won last week. Eric should have won, but he didn't. I won last week. I'm going next. I'm going to Monday Night Football, and I'm taking the LA Chargers and the New York Jets under the total of 41. Minus 113. I put the price that it's good to to minus 119. Now, listen, people, this actually moved while we were on air. I didn't bet it myself. I'm not front running these plays like I, you know, trying to get the best numbers or whatever. So bear with me. We're updating. This is the real time number. But I really like the under in this game. New York Jets offensive line. Connor McGovern hurt last week. Wes Schweitzer hurt last week. They both go to IR. Um, A guard slash center for them. Joe Tippman dealing with an injury. He would be replacing either of those guys. It's disastrous for the O-line. Worse than it's been for in a long time for them. Look at other teams when they've had cluster O-line injuries. Seen the the Giants this year. Disastrous. Now, in terms of pace of play. Zach Wilson, no huddle. Just 4% of plays this year. They don't run fast with him. They run the ball. They know what his limitations are. Look at last week's game against the Giants. It was a slog for them on offense. He faces pressure on 43% of his dropbacks. Because he holds the ball for a long time doesn't know where to throw it and he's very conscious of making mistakes nowadays the jets games this year they've only exceeded 43 points one time this season that was at denver and that's because the denver defense had like a million injuries they were their defense on the other side of things like solid they held buffalo to 16 points at home they held casey to 23 which is a very low output for the chiefs obviously eagles to 14 Chargers don't play with pace. Justin Herbert, no huddle 6.8% of the time. Most of that's inside two minutes of each half. They lost Mike Williams. They don't have the downfield threat. The new game plan is exactly what we saw last week on Sunday night football against the Bears, where they are content to run the ball, take their four or five yard passes down the field. I think this number is too high. We don't know about weather yet, but it's a Jets home game in November. Probably not going to be good either. That's another factor as well. So. New York Jets LA Chargers under 41 -113. All right. Eric. Last week you got the L. We you got the CLV. Good CLV on Baltimore. You had you had the the cover probability at like 99% at one point in the game. But you got the L. It's, it's a stain on your record. It's time to rebound. What's the rebound bet this week?
3: It is I've uh I've been lucky enough to have Patriots plus three against the, the Raiders, as well as last week's uh Baltimore minus eight and a half. I'm gonna go with a quarterback that I've maligned and been maligned for maligning, and that is Sam Howell getting uh three plus one one. Uh good out, you know, a decent ways. Um I look, New England's an, an interesting case study in a team that our prior beliefs on our, our sort of aura about it just, just simply doesn't stand up. You know, Sam Howell is going to probably set the record for number of sacks taken by a quarterback in a season, New England this year, only the saints Jags and bears uh, on defense have generated fewer sacks as a percentage of dropbacks. When Sam Howell is actually able to get the ball out, he's been phenomenal. It, last week he was, you know, basically he totally took a sack in the last like, you know, drive of the game. Um, you know they were very efficient moving the football. New England allows, um, you know, a top half of the league averaged at the target, which is also kind of what Sam Howell is trying to be—a very, uh, you know, high variance quarterback. And and I just think the, the market's overcorrecting for losing sweat and losing young. They are two players that are positive to the point spread, um, but not nearly as much uh, I think as this movement suggests. So uh, I'm going to go with Washington Commanders plus three.
0: Eric Eager fade in right angle sports you love to see it head to head boom uh, i think a lot of that price was like the move was anticipating washington making some deadline day moves which they did as well we also forget you know kendrick born towards acl Devontae parker got concussed last week i don't know if you look at the patriots receiving core without those two guys but jalen rager is like their second best receiver i think after those guys so it might be an, an absolute shit show for them hitman you alluded to it earlier when we were breaking it down and someone just started popping the screen, man, boom, they couldn't get enough of that over in Bengals and bills, which costs you a point on your best bet. But for those who missed it earlier, let the people know what it's going to be this week.
2: I'll tell you what, if you're, you're backing me on a best bet, you, you got, you got some guts, gotten that up from 48 and a half to 49 and a half, whoever that is. But um, I still like the over 49 and a half, in this Buffalo Cincinnati game the B- the bills defense is 29th 29th in EPA per play since the injuries to Matt to um Matt Milano, Tredavious White, Daquan Jones and the Bengals defense 26 in defensive pass success rate This year, it's just been two defenses that have regressed from what they were last year. I really like that Buffalo started running Josh Allen again, seven carries for 41 yards last week. Dawson Knox leaving, uh, going on short-term IR, led to a lot more three and four wide receiver sets for Buffalo. And it also led to a 32% no huddle rate, which was the Bills' highest that they've had in four years. They also went 6% higher in situation-neutral pass rate. So I think that the Bills are going back to the offense that has worked in previous years. And Joe Burrow, there's been no offense that was upgraded more after the performance that he had against the 49ers. The Bengals lead the NFL in pass rate over expectation the last five weeks. It's two offenses that are trending up, two defenses that are not nearly the same as years past. Give me the over.
0: All right, and you know who has the best price on the under? In case you want to fade it, if you want to fade this in market, of course our sponsor Pinnacle best price in market on the under. If you do want to fade the Hitman, although you know it's crazy Hitman because if you had just like made this a lean instead of a best bet, it would have won. And now, <laughs> and honestly, that went with you... from
3: a total of seventy to a total of seven just with you putting in the back column.
0: You know, you know, honestly. <laughs> This is the game that lands 49 now, right? Because we were talking about it as as part of the leans. And he's like, yeah, I like the over 48 and a half. Someone goes out and bets it to 49 and a half and it lands 49. 28, Whoever's 21 doing, Bengals.
2: Whoever blasted it in market after I said, that I like the over 48 and a half. You're, you're a cruel person. If it lands 49, you owe me a, a beer, a dinner, something.
0: You owe him something. You heard it from Hitman. You owe him something. That's going to be it for the Wednesday Best Bets show. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to George stepping in last minute for Sumo. We really appreciate that. Smash the like button down below if you enjoyed. George G-Stack, you got some good comments here today, man. There's like a lot of people who are who are digging it suma doesn't get those comments so i don't know maybe we got some
1: some decisions to make going forwards here i noticed we had less german comments in the in in the in the comments but more scumbag comments so i balanced out what we lost from uh, suma's freight yeah the people really resonate with you i could just see you
0: you know mahomes getting hit on the first drive limping off the field and you're just standing up fist pumping there because that's exactly what you would do as a dolphins fan appreciate everyone who tuned in
3: like a soccer hooligan (laughs) the miami dolphins like
0: uh we're back for a watch along tomorrow night thursday night football i would call them the voodoo kings mike tomlin and mike vrabel that's like the voodoo king master matchup right there who's gonna win head to head between them find out tomorrow night thursday night football right here on forward progress appreciate everyone who tuned in this has been Wednesday, Best Bets for NFL Week 9, part of the Hammer Betting Network, powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. We'll catch everyone back here next Wednesday for Best Bets again. Good luck with your bets this week.